Namaste, howlers, and welcome to another episode of Chip and Andy's Dope, Joe. I am Colonel Chaos, a.k.a. Chip Sella, and joining me tonight, the disciple, my, my, my number one disciple, the one, the only, the amazing agent, Andy Ant-Man Urquhart. Namaste, Andy. Namaste. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Andy, another week. We actually, this is... Two weeks in a row. Yep, two weeks in a row we've managed to record. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. So, and what, only one, two, three weeks until, yeah, three weeks until uh, Defenders. Yeah, I can't believe this has gone up so fast. <laughs> like, the time is just absolutely sapped away. Well, we blow off a week here or there. I go on vacation, mm. this, that, the other thing. But yeah, Defenders, three weeks away. And, uh, I can't wait. It's looking look good. And then uh, Inhumans is two weeks after that, at least the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, see, with the movie, are you going to go and get to see that at IMAX? Absolutely. I haven't seen anything about it, like advertised over here for IMAX. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to work it. Well, that's I'll weird because, cause, yeah, because you're going to have the issue of when are they going to air it in uh, the UK? Because what they were about six months behind on Shield. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they should be. They're up to date now. Okay. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> now that the show's off, like off for the season, but yeah, uh, I don't know. How am I going to see it? I'm sure I'll find a way, but I don't. I don't know if it'll be like when it comes up, like when you guys get to see it at the cinema. There's certainly nothing that I can see for bookings or anything like that. Well, the, you know, looking at our uh, schedule, um, I see a couple things happening. First of all, there's no way we're finishing Defenders before our uh, Iron Fist before Defenders comes out, but that's fine. Um, it'll give people a few weeks to watch it. Um, and then tech, I mean, while the quote unquote Inhumans movie comes out on September 1st here, it's not, uh, the show doesn't quote unquote start until the 29th. Yep. So, I mean, you, can I comment on it? Can I talk about it a little? Sure. But, uh, we're going to just kind of wait until the show actually, uh, is airing, I think. Mm. Anyways, so... I mean, it doesn't look as if any UK broadcaster has picked up the uh, Inhumans yet, so not that I can find online anyway, um, so I don't know what's happening with the UK one. Uh, when the show like comes out in the US, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be able to get it, but the uh, as far as the movie goes, I'm not quite sure how I managed to see that, because what, what they're doing is they're releasing it in the, the movie in like start of September, yeah, yep. and, then, and then it's going to season, basically, at the end of September. Right. And you would assume that they would show the movie. I, I think they said it, they were going to show the movie, but it would be slightly extended for the first two episodes of it. I think that's... Extended, diff different cut, a few different scenes, yeah. something like that. So, so like, we'll, I'll get to see it one or the other. So I just saw this on the... And I know we're about to go into the news... Um, yeah, well, I mean, we got shows for you guys. Trust us. We are good with material probably 
through Thanksgiving. <laughs> Probably through to 2018, <laughs> I would say, easy. Because we've still got Spider-Man to cover as well. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll squeeze that in somewhere. Um, I just... I just saw this in the news uh, confirming that Thanos is in Avengers 4. Josh Brolin heads back for Avengers 4 filming. Hmm. So, the st- he- Thanos' st- story will continue into uh, Avengers 4. I mean, that was clearly always the original plan before the retitle. Well, it was kind maybe, of unclear after yeah. the retitled, but yeah. You know, because I, I mean, they were going to do this a two par. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I was wondering, does Captain Marvel come out before Avengers 4 or after? Uh, I want to say it's before okay. Avengers 4, but after Avengers 1. Like uh, after Infinity Avengers War. Avengers 3, you mean? Yeah, Avengers 3. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, you know, kind of made me wonder is. Uh, is uh you know Avengers four going to be Infinity related or was it going to be Secret Avengers, or not Secret mm, Avengers, yeah. Secret Invasion? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they could combine it. Mm. They can do it all, do everything. <laughs> I mean, they did say there's a, a massive spoiler, so maybe Thanos is a scroll. <laughs> Who knows? He does have that chin. <laughs> yeah. But I mean from the comics he's he has the he has that uh, same chin in the in the comics, it should be noted. And he's not a scroll at all, he's a Titan from Titan. Yeah. The mad Titan. The mad Titan. And technically uh, is, uh no, he's not Drax's dad. He killed Drax's family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So, what other news do we have? Um, just a couple of bits and pieces. Um, first of all, Spider-Man: Homecoming box office takings are in, um, and it's made over six hundred million so far at the box office. Have we ever gotten a good count on uh, Guardians? Um. I don't know, but you you could look into that. Also, because I go through this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so the uh, so yes, yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming's passed over six hundred million worldwide at the box office. Now, interestingly enough, that is not more than uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not not anywhere close to what the original Spider-Man trilogy made. So, like. We know there's a sequel already confirmed, but like the fact that this movie's made less than the previous movies that Sony's done, I mean, Sony's not going to be that keen to continue this relationship if it's not actually led to the bump in the box office that they were hoping for. Like, if this this thing's making less money than their previous one that was considered to be like a flop at the box office, essentially, then that's bad news for them. Especially because they're having to split some of the cash now with Marvel. So they'll make even less money off of this movie than they did off the, the last ones. Yeah. But I haven't said that. Like, this, it's not been out that long, comparatively. So it's still got a little bit of a run in the box office in various territories and whatnot. So it could still come up and come ahead of that. I, I would expect that it would eventually. 
Um, yeah, but I think they, I think they were thinking um, that it was going to do, be, you know, break a billion. Yeah, that that has got to be the what their aim was for this, and it, uh, there's no way it's hitting that. No way. It's not a good enough movie to hit that, to be honest. Like, I can't believe Iron Man 3 hit that. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, I'm look, I'm trying to look here. Guardians hit 860. Which is, is very respectable for, for that movie. Which, which is a good movie. Not as good as Guardians 1. No. But that... that that's up the box office from Guardians One, then, hasn't it? Slightly. Yeah. Which is what you want from like a franchise like that. Just get uh, get a bit of a bump on what you made the last time. And this is as of, yeah, this is as of July thirtieth. It made four uh, just under four hundred thousand in the U.S. and then another four seventy two in. Uh, Foreign. Hmm. So that's massive in the US then. Four hundred thousand? Well four hundred million. It would be million, yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh I mean that's that's great for the Guardians. Like but you would expect like Spider Man with the the legacy and the prestige of that character plus like with the backing of Sony and Marvel and having like Robert Downey Jr. in it and whatnot, you'd expect this to, to be a wee bit higher than that. I agree, because A, it's Spider-Man, and everybody loves Spider-Man. Mm. But if you... if you, It just goes to show you that if you make a movie that is like... It's decent, but it isn't on the level with Guardians, either of the Guardians movies, then it's going to fall short at the box office. Yeah. So they need to make better movies. And we'll get into that more when we do the Spider-Man Homecoming uh, episode. <laughs> well, just for we'll comparison, break that Guardians Volume yeah. 1 did 773, so 773 million. So right now, Guardians Volume 2 did 100 million more than uh, Volume 1. Nice. Well, that's, that's a decent bump. It's a decent bump. I'm actually surprised it didn't do better than that. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, like said... It isn't as good a movie, so no. there is that. It's still see, a good movie. But let's see. I think the thing was, Guardians was Guardians one was just so good because nobody expected it um, to be that good, and um, just you know, uh, you know, it was an origin story. That's the easy thing to do. I mean, once you've created the the characters, the sequels don't usually, you know, it's hard to do a sequel that lives up to the original. I mean, other than Re- Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Jedi, I mean, what other uh, sequel really does better than the first one? Well, well uh, you probably mean Empire, but I, I do agree that yes, uh, Return, uh, Return, yes. Return of the Jedi for me is my my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's <laughs> the Muppets one. That's Star Wars. Yeah, with the, the Muppets. With the Ewoks, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, um, it's a good that, movie, and that, but Empire. I'm very. Yeah, Empire's the the one that's considered the the pinnacle. Uh, I'm very in the minority. I know I know that with the liking Return of the Jedi better, but but um, but yeah. So a lot of the time with sequels and whatnot, they're not as good, and like we can see that even in the MCU. Like 
Age of Ultron, not as good as Original Avengers. Uh, Iron Man 2, whilst I like it better, it's considered generally to be not as good as Iron Man 1. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Well, Thor 2, definitely was not. Better, was better than the well, first Avenger. There, there's one that's way. true, yeah. That's true. Uh, Thor 2, though, not a patch on Thor 1. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree there. And they never got around to making that another Hulk movie, so. But, um, so, I, you know, I, yeah, if Spider-Man doesn't hit a billion, that they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure out what they did wrong. And is mm. it that Marvel didn't have enough control? Uh, did Sony place too many um, parameters and conditions and uh, barriers. Mm. You know, how much control did Marvel actually have? Um, I, you know, I, I like the vulture. I, I mean, I just hate spider douche um, and not the comic book character, just this version of him. Mm. Um, and we will get into what, why the movie sucks somewhere down the road. But uh, to, to be fair, I don't think the movie sucks. It's just like, it could have been better, and it's not as good as some of the other things we've seen. Right, and I'm I'm being harsh and a little bit uh, bombastic or exaggerating, <laughs> but uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. Neither of us were that big a fan of it, but <sighs> sorry, we'll get into that um, when you see talking about Spider Man it put me to sleep. So uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> It, you know, we'll get into that when we do our spoiler cast on it. Um, but yeah, I, what does Sony do? Does Sony say, okay, we gave you a shot. You did. You made the the least profitable Spider-Man movie yet. Mm. We're taking the reins back. I don't know. I mean, they, they're. I think they're locked in for like this five movie deal. With Spider-Man, regardless of what happened, so the that was Civil War, uh, the Homecoming like trilogy, and then the, those two Avengers movies, which is actually like six movies. But I don't know if they're necessarily really counting either Civil War or one of those Avengers movies because he's only in it a wee bit. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens after that deal is completed. Like, does he just go away? Do they kill him off in the MCU? And do they maybe maybe they like maybe they kill him off and like the MCU retains uh, Miles instead of uh, yeah, to Sony. Well, it's a weird place. Hmm. But we'll see what happens, and uh, the next Spider-Man movie might be amazing. And he might be amazing in Avengers as well. Yeah. And with 60 characters, he's not going to be there to ruin the whole thing. No. <laughs> so, so uh, other news. I did see I, I did see one thing real quick, and that would be that um, apparently Star Lord and uh, they just they uh, revealed who are the comedic uh, characters in Infinity War. Have you mm -hmm. read this? No, no, I haven't heard that. Right. 
So one's Star-Lord. Okay. Who's, who's the other? I would say probably like Rocket, maybe? Or Spider-Man? Okay, two strikes. Go for. Let's see if we can uh, strike you out here. One more. Uh, maybe Ant Man. <laughs> okay. Thor. Thor is a comedic character. Thor uh. and and Star Lord are supposed to be the two comedic characters in, in Infinity War. So they're really, I think, going off the reservation with Ragnarok, which means. I just really want to see the more I hear about this and I'm I'm actually starting to put blinders on to Infinity War stuff because there's a mm-hmm. lot out there that it, uh is just going to ruin it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um I'm I'm being very careful about what I read, read but I saw that and I was like so I think we're going to have a I think the Thor movie might be the best might be the best best Marvel movie yet. Yeah, it look it sounds like, like the best Thor movie. Um well, that, and that's Hulk and whatnot. Well well yeah. But I think the Hulk and whatnot looks like a real winning move. Certainly from the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like the movie looks phenomenal so far. Uh, it's got me like real excited to go and see it. Yeah, I will be uh uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not skipping a day from work because I think I'm out of vacation days by then. <laughs> but uh, I will be. Uh, also, I also think I'm in the middle of. I got a lot of things going on at work, but I will be there that Saturday. Yeah, I, I'll be there. We can do on it. So, um, all right. Any other news? Um, yeah, just well, just one piece of news. Obviously, we covered a lot of news last week out of uh, Comic Con and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But one thing that did kind of come come to light, and had I think it slipped under our radar. That uh, but this we learned about this really like last week um, was that Ike Pearl Perlmutter, that famous penny pincher from Marvel, is uh, no longer the CEO of Marvel. But yes, he I... is still he is he is still with the company. Mm-hmm. He is now the the chairman. I think they just put him out in, basically in a role where he can't fuck everything up. Yeah. So like, uh, what what it sounds like is basically that there's just been a title change. Although I don't know that his actual role has changed in any way. But because of the restructuring due to the Disney buyout, which, which I mean, this has taken quite a couple of years to come to, like several years now to come together. Um, the the company is now there's only one CEO in the Disney company, and that's Bob Iger. So he's the only CEO, and the other the other ones from the the subsidiaries have different titles now. So like Pixar's John Lasseter is the CEO of okay. Pixar. And Perlmutter is now the chairman of Marvel. So I don't know that his role has actually changed in any way. Because people were rejoicing this. Like, that he's, oh, he's no longer the CEO, blah, 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 blah. But uh, he might actually still be the top of the food chain here. So I don't know that it will change. He's still there, but I think he is removed from more of the day-to-day operations. Possibly. Yeah, maybe they've got him just signing dockets. 
in a couple more. <laughs> so, um, since since we're short on news, let's, I want to do tweets now because you know mm. uh, we get uh, when we don't see the news, we have an awesome bunch of listeners that provide it to us over on Twitter, including Timothy Hernandez. Uh, they have not confirmed Defender Season 2 yet. Well, they just confirmed Iron Fist Season 2 at what? At Comic-Con? Yeah. So, yeah, they they usually... I, Netflix does do them early sometimes, but... Yeah, I think they'll, uh, they'll probably hold off. If they don't do it in the first week or two after it's out, they're going to wait for New York Comic-Con and do it there. Mm. Um... I guess the episodes are on the short side. I, and he, he sent an article as to why the, uh, the Punisher isn't on the team in the short episode length. I'm kind of in blinder mode on Defenders right now. Yeah, I mean, it's so close to coming out now. We we don't really need to read much more about like what's contained within the episodes. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. And they sent, they sent, a, uh, they sent a couple articles on... Um, <clears throat> like the Marvel legacy thing and stuff that's happening in the comics. So I'm going to skip over those. Um, something, did you see this? Well, see Spider-Man and Deadpool aren't, uh, really MCU. So we kind of stay away from that stuff from an extent, but I'll pull it up. Um, I, I mean, they certainly cross over in the comics and whatnot. And mm-hmm. we do have Spider-Man, but with Deadpool is, so far over removed at this point unless something big changes in like infinity war which i don't i don't think i mean that's kind of like a real like a real out there suggestion for something to happen with fox at this point although i mean anytime they're asked about it they're they're always like never say never but there's no plans and the way that Fox has the X, seem to have the X Men tied up, and they've got plans and plans and plans for their universe to go on and on and on for what seems like as long as the MCU plans to go on for. So, mm. don't think there's any any like end to the the Fox universe at this point, anyway. Well, what they're saying is, uh, if you remember the Deadpool movie, uh, there was uh, there was uh, an elderly man getting mugged. And before, mm-hmm. De- and Deadpool had a problem putting on his costume, mm-hmm. and uh, the old elderly man was shot and killed before he could get his costume on. Mm-hmm. So uh, people have theorized that that's Uncle Ben. Yeah, I mean that's just that's probably like a a kind of end joke. Yeah. By the by, the people that made the Deadpool movie being like like kind of riffing on like Spider Man's origin for like for Deadpool's thing. That's that's nothing. <laughs> well, the director said that's a really interesting question. I think people should continue to theorize on who that old man was, so that, you know they're not giving it away either. Yeah, I mean it could be somebody. Well, it's a Deadpool in some way, but uh, or just some random Deadpool character. Mm. The other one that uh, it has been announced that. Um, Iron Fist will start filming in December. Okay. So that would be probably next year air dates then? Uh, I would say late late 2018. Yeah. Which is fine. And then um, 
they discussed why there's a new showrunner on Iron Fist for season two. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, what uh, Jeff Loeb said was, well, Scott Buck is doing Inhumans. Oh, so he was a showrunner on season one. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yep. So probably, I mean, that's probably a promotion for him. Like he's probably make probably make more money doing that. Well, yeah, you're doing an IMAX uh, network television show. Yeah. So good for him. Like. <laughs> and then I guess Marvel's doing some 1,000 BC or 1 million BC Avengers book. Which is yeah. a book, so we kind of just. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting. They always they do these weird things from time to time. Like I don't know if you remember, they did like the six was it sixteen oh eight or something like that. It was and it was very noir, steampunky sort of Marvel universe where all the heroes had uh, come out at the a much earlier time period. Like so, I'm sure they were dealing with Jack the Ripper and things like that. It's interesting to see how they developed in that universe, but it's a kind of it's much more of like a what if storyline than anything else, and this will be the same. Yeah. All right. Now we're done for new- with news and tweets. There was there was one tweet that I wanted to mention. All right. That was uh, from Tim Hernandez, and he sent us a link to the five best Marvel. Cinematic Universe villain so far. All right, I you know I, me, I just... avoid the list ones, but all right, go. I, I like I like these, but I mean they're worth they're worth running through just to look at. Uh, so number five is Ultron from Avengers: Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and you probably you probably return at some point because Ult- Ultron never dies. I'm not I thought saying, they could have uh, done. A... I'm, I'm, I want to hear the names before I say whether I agree or not. Okay, I thought I thought they could have done better, but he, he's Ultron, and he he it's a it's relatively accurate representation of Ultron in the movie. Uh, number four is Ego. Okay, keep going. I'm not a fan of Ego, so yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that either. Number three is the the Red Skull. From Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, all right. I, I thought he was great. Like, I, I think I would love to see Hugo Weaving return as a Red Skull in some capacity in the modern day and see how they dealt with that in the modern day. But they're, they're trying to steer away from reusing the villains as much as possible without... Uh, except for Loki. <laughs> it's just everywhere. It looks like he's going to be good in the Thor movie, though, for some reason. Um, number two, Wilson Fisk. Fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal performance. All right. Number one. And number one is Loki. I'm, I'm okay, I think, with Loki and Kingpin being the top two. Yeah. I don't think Ego's in my top five. Definitely not. Uh, I'd probably put Ultron as number three because just because I love James Spader. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to think who uh, who else was decent. I'd almost say Ronan. Ronan was pretty good. 
Burnham's cool. Um, for me, like I would put Dormammu in there. Like I loved that like final fight scene between Dormammu and uh, and Doctor Strange. Like that is like one of my all time favorite like scenes in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I I mean they're obviously going for just a single single character villains. They're not considering like Hydra to be like a villain per se, but. You know, I'll I'll give it to Michael Keaton. He played a great Vulture. He did. Yep, Vulture was Vulture was great. Uh, I I thought they could have done a bit more with him, but like what he did in the movie, fantastic. But you know, number one's got to be Taserface, right? <laughs> <laughs> Taserface was funny. Is that, is, is that really your name? <laughs> but yeah, interesting list. Um, I can see why Loki's in there because yeah. he's probably had the most screen time out of any of these villains. I mean, he's been in. What that's three movies he's been in now. At least. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's three because he was in Thor one and uh, Thor two and then Avengers. So. Yeah. So it's three. He's not been in any more than that. And and Tom Hiddleston is a fantastic actor. They've probably they probably expanded his role, like after seeing how good he was in Thor one. Then we know he's in. We know he's in Infinity War. Yep, and obviously he's in Thor Ragnarok as well. So, yeah. and they're doing the Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Th- is Thor, Hulk, Loki, and uh, Valkyrie? Is the the four Ghostbusters? <laughs> I was thinking. Which is a much Thor. much better. Well, well, yeah, but it's a much better Ghostbusters lineup than uh, than what what they had in the the reboot. Or the A team, maybe. Oh, A team, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hulk, Hulk is B. A. Barakas, isn't he? Yes. They have to, they have to, they have to knock him out before he goes on a plane. <laughs> uh, you'd have, you'd have to make um, mm. Uh, Loki would be Hannibal. And in the last season, did they add a chick to the A team? I think. I, I don't know. They, they I might have done. Think they did. So, <laughs> whatever, she, whatever her name was. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other news? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Let's move on to what we are here to do. This is Chip and Andy's Don't Joe, and we are here to talk about uh, episode four. And five. We're doing both tonight. Oh, uh, we're only doing four. I have not watched five. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're only doing four. Short show. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. When last we left, uh, Danny Rand, he w- he had just been pushed off the ledge of a building and was falling to his death. Yeah. So he died, and then that was the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> see you later, guys. <laughs> but uh, no, obviously that that's not it, what man. happened. I already said there's a, an episode five, so yeah, that's not what happened. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, Danny did fall down, but he caught a sort of pole thing on the way down, um, and then he loses his grip and falls a bit further, as you do. It, I think it was like a flagpole sort of thing, but you know what these buildings Morning are like or bits, an overhang or whatever it is, or something, yeah. Yeah, um, and he, but he doesn't get knocked out when he falls down. Uh, he then wakes up in Harold's secret penthouse, uh, and it turns out that it was Ward that kicked him off the building, because it, of course it was. 
it's Ward. You know, Ward. It's just the name. It's associated with a bad dude who kicks good guys off of buildings. Um, so we're trying to break in. <laughs> but yeah, he just thought it was like a burglar trying to break in, so he kicked him off the building. But I mean, look how high up they are. Like, who who does he think is robbing him? Spider-Man? Well, he's, he, you know? he, he called him Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, he did. He didn't name drop Daredevil. He said he climbed up the building like Daredevil, which, which I thought was cool. Like, because I didn't notice that in my first watch. So little little Daredevil name drop there, and not not mentioned as the Devil of Hell, Hell's Kitchen either. Straight up Daredevil. Um, because sometimes they're a bit vague about their references, and they refer to them as different things, like like the Devil of Hell's Kitchen and like the big green guy and the shield. The, the shield dude and all that sort of stuff but no straight up there devil here which is cool um harold then enters and uh danny is a bit shocked <laughs> that harold is alive and obviously ward is not because he knows uh, and he turns to ward and says oh you see him too because if you remember the last time when danny saw harold mm-hmm. he was like he thought he was having a hallucination basically in the hospital or the uh, what's what's it, the psychiatric Hello, ward place yeah, the Looney Bin. Um, Harold reveals that he did die. He did indeed die. Like, it wasn't... He's not just been faked his death and been hiding. He did actually die. So, but for some reason, he looks this about the same age as when Danny last saw him. And and then they hug it out, and he says, oh, welcome home. And, and Danny's like, oh, I've just been waiting for someone to heal that. And it, he's kind of... He seems to be falling under Harold's spell here. Mm-hmm. Very wholeheartedly. He's like... Oh, thank you, because obviously the other people that he connected with when he came back was Ward and, and Joy, and they didn't welcome him back in at all. They, in fact, really pushed him away. And even up to this point, they're still like, pushing him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Danny asks the question that we've been asking, like, oh, how are you still alive? And he tells us his origin story, that uh, he got cancer, and uh, but he was given a cure which put him in debt to the hand, which is why he's so interested in Danny because Danny mentioned the hand uh, during one of his uh, one of his sessions. Right. And uh, but yeah, so basically he was given a cure by the hand. Uh, he did have to die, you know, to be cured. Um, however, he came back to life three days later. So Harold, Harold is Jesus confirmed. Yeah, I, I, I thought the messianic <laughs> uh, reference there was a little bit heavy-handed. Yeah, but they didn't mention like rolling a stone off, like yeah, from a, and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, it was a little too Jesusy for me. Yeah, I mean, he obviously kind of thinks of himself that way, but and and he's definitely he definitely wants to come back out into the limelight as we'll see later on. But the fact that nobody knows he's alive is kind of a bit of a downer for him. I think uh, he does reveal, however, that the hand has uh, has infested Rand Industries, and we find out that. Although Danny knows about the hand and is the sworn enemy of the hand and whatnot, it's just something that he's been told about and learned about in his studies at Kunlun, and he's never actually uh, met anyone from the hand or come face to face with them in any capacity. Essentially, he kind of has seen them as a bit of a mythical force that he's never come in contact with, which is which is kind of interesting because obviously Harold has had real world dealings with them, and we've seen them as well, like in both in Iron Fist and in Daredevil as well. Right. So we know they're kicking about here, but they're not like kicking about where, where Kunlun is. Um, Harold does ask him to help, basically help him get out from under the hand's control. So it's because of the hand 
that he can't go out and interact with anybody. They've essentially got him like shut away and imprisoned, and the only people that he's allowed to interact with are his assistant and uh, and Ward. Uh, and anybody else that he's come into contact with has been disposed of, as, as he puts it. Uh, and they basically are not allowing him to see Joy as well, and she doesn't know that he's alive. Right. Uh, so Harold, uh, Harold at this point tells Ward to basically end the court case that they're about to go into and give Danny everything that he's entitled to, including his dad's old office. And Ward's like, what? No, no, this is not what I want. But Harold uh, is very persistent in what he says goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does tell Danny to go and to check out the pier that they've uh, bought a red hook because the it was the hand that made them buy that, essentially. Um, and he doesn't know why, but he tells Danny basically to investigate and see what the deal is with that. Uh, Ward and Danny leave and uh, Harold tells Danny to call or come by at any time. However, as they're leaving, Ward tells him, uh, Ward tells Danny to be wary of Harold because he only cares about himself. Yeah. Because Danny is very much like, oh, like here's this guy who's given me everything that I've wanted since I came back. This is all that I want, like to be back in the I fold of the family. company. Yeah, and have a family and be recognised as like the person who he is, and not like have it like brought into question that he's a different person, and not be dragged into the courts to prove his identity and all this sort of stuff. And Harold's just like basically clicked his fingers and given him everything he wants. So he's, he, of course, he's going to be ingratiated towards him, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that he he probably like saw him as a bit of like an uncle, an uncle figure like when he was younger, yep. and to see him back now, he's like. Give, giving him that kind of father figure sort of status. Someone to look up to. Uh, so we then see over at the uh, the dojo, the students watch Colleen's fight, if you remember from last time. the uh, She was at the fight club and someone has videoed the footage and uh, it's been posted online by Daryl, who's one of our students. Um, and he's basically done this in order to drum up business for the dojo. She's not very pleased about this because she like broke the Bushido codes by fighting for money, and she shouldn't have done this and and whatnot. And she she seems to regret it. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know, like when people catch you uh, rocking out to I don't know the Howard Jones song or something <laughs> uh, in in your car, and you know. Hey, I will rock out to Killswitch Engage any day. <laughs> <laughs> or no, so, I don't know. Let's go with Cindy Lauper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Cindy Lauper comes on, and uh, you're bouncing around in a car, and then your bros roll up next to you and see you, and you feel yeah, guilty. And then you they, feel dirty. And then they take a video of you, and they post it online, and it yeah. becomes a... Uh, it becomes a viral video yeah. <laughs> and everyone laughs at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah. so she's not too happy. She also mentions here that uh, cell phones are not allowed in her dojo. And we'll come back to that later. Um, Ward and Joy uh, then discuss Danny and we find out conclusively that Joy gave 
them the bowl. Joy gave the bowl to Hogarth. She like because uh, Ward has figured out that there's no other way they could have got the bowl. It must have been her that gave it to them for sentimental reasons, basically. Uh, Danny then comes in at this point with a suit and tie on, as you do, but he is wearing trainers, which is is kind of cool for like a big corporate dude to like. Oh, he's wearing his suit because he has to, and he's all relatively uh, trimmed up. He's had a haircut and had a bit of a beard trim and whatnot, and he look he looks the part now, uh, but he's still wearing his trainers for comfort. Trainers at work, way to go. Um, and so we then we then get to the press conference. So Ward holds uh, a press conference for Rand Industries, basically to announce Danny to the world as being still alive and being brought into the Rand fold and restored to his uh, rightful inheritance as the uh, 51% shareholder of Rand Industries. Uh, and basically, they've prepared a statement for him to read, and you can see Danny's kind of nervous, and he's like, he sees Hogarth in, in the in the audience, and he's like waving at her and whatnot, and she's like, "Nope, read read the script, stop waving." <laughs> Stick to what what is on the piece of paper. Yeah, do you know, like, even he said that, I was like, he's not reading what's on the paper; like, he's going to go off the book here. Yep. But but he actually didn't. He like he stuck to what was on the the page, and they've they'd obviously worked on it with him because it was kind of like a version of the truth. And f- for them, like everything was true that was said in it. They just kind of skipped out on some of the details, like him being the iron fist and being the sworn enemy of the hand and all that sort of stuff. But the public doesn't need to know that. And and to be fair, Ward and Joy don't need to don't know that either, really. True. Well, certainly Joy certainly Joy doesn't really know that. Yes. Um, well, what, what does do you she or was... doesn't she? Cause... No, she. I don't think she does know about like him being the Iron Fist and that. Like, obviously, Ward does because of of Harold uh, and from watching him in the uh, in the CCTV from the psychiatric hospital and whatnot. But I don't believe that Joy has seen that footage, as far as I know. Okay. Uh, what did you th- What did you think of Danny's look with a suit and tie, but with trainers on? Douchey. <laughs> oh, I see. I thought, I thought it looked cool. I'm like, that's I like, like serious. Uh, yeah, the the white shoes or white sneakers, whatever they were. I, I mean, I it goes for his fish out of water. I'm I shouldn't be here thing. But yeah, um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the shoes. You no, know, see, I liked it. I, I was like, yep, that's cool. If if I was a CEO of a company like that, it's 100 percent. I would turn up for work. Like, <laughs> well. You know, if I was a CEO of a company and I was doing that, I wouldn't be wear I wouldn't be wearing any type of uh, suit to begin with. It would, you know. Well, true. You know, it, it. I don't have a problem with the shoes. I have a problem with the shoes with the suit. Okay, <laughs> but I don't know. I thought it looked cool. He's like going for the kind of corporate, but still young and hip look. Hipster which, douchebag. I, I, no, no, he didn't have a Starbucks in his hand, so. <laughs> He's pulling, he's pulling off, um. But yeah, Joy, Joy did mention. I was just saying there that uh, she, uh, sorry, Ward did twig that Joy gave the bowl to Danny, oh, to Hogarth, and we'll, we'll come, we'll come back to that in a minute because we get more conclusive uh, proof of that later on. 
Um, so yeah, they had this press conference. Danny gives his his statement, um, which was absolutely fine. Basically explained why why he was gone all this time and uh, what happened to him. He was rescued by the monks and then he came back and uh, now he's back. Uh, he there is a question asked to him uh, after his statement uh, about his time in the psychiatric hospital, mm-hmm. but he he feels this really well because like I don't think they were kind of expecting him to be asked things like this. Oh, I think I thought but, it was well rehearsed. I thought he knew ex- they they expected it. Well, it didn't. It didn't like the answer that he gave and like the reactions from Ward and Joy. It didn't sound. It didn't look as if like they had prepped Danny to say what he said. But he, uh, I thought he, they dealt with it really well anyway. Um, and basically he fielded this well, saying that when he came back, he was a bit kind of messed, confused and messed up, and he needed a bit of time to adjust. And uh, Ward and Joy supported him through this and thanked him for the support. Like, okay, that's a version of the truth. An interesting spin on it. <laughs> Everything is spin these days, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Danny then has an appointment with uh, J-, J Money. <laughs> I find it hilarious that he calls her J Money. Says that's Hogarth, who is uh, not a hugger. <laughs> nah, not a hugger and doesn't seem to like the J Money line. No, she does not. She's all about the, She's working. She's about all of the business. Um, Danny does have his dad's old office and even his dad's old desk, which uh, he like kind of ducks down underneath and is like looking around it and like Hogarth seems like dead uncomfortable in this thing because like she's she's wearing like a skirt and he's he's like down on the ground like looking about and she's like what is he doing? But uh, he's just looking under the desk because he when he was young he put stickers under there and they're still there. I don't know what the stickers were of, but like some kind of cartoon characters. Yeah, just cartoon characters. Yeah, I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not exactly sure what they were. If anyone knows what they were, tweet at Castlefield. Um, but yeah, so Hogarth has uh, the basically has deal for him to sign, and uh, that he's the 51% majority shareholder of the company, and he can pretty much do what he wants here. But he doesn't actually hold an official title, so he's not the CEO or the chairman or anything like that. He's just He's the like majority shareholder of the company. Like yeah, but no, he, he has he's not because <laughs> Perlmutter has a title. He's the chairman, chairman of the board, and uh, that like Danny doesn't have a title here. He's just he's majority one of the owners of the company. Yeah, but he doesn't have like a an official job at the company. Right. But he does have an office at least. So, um, and he does ask Hogarth if he if he can get access to like some of the financial records and stuff like that off Rand, and she's like, well. Yeah, your name and your your shareholding stake like is gonna open up doors for you that you can go and look at basically whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also he also um, when she's leaving, like he tells her to leave the door open. So he's got a kind of like open door policy. Like I, I think that's that's interesting to point out because it, it kind of paints him in like a different picture from like Ward and, and Joy and whatnot in terms of business because they they seem like very closed door people and anytime when you see them and working in their office on their own their door is always closed mm. and they always have people like knocking to come in and uh inviting people to come in and whatnot whereas danny's like no my door's open so he's going to be a very different style of business person than ward and joy which it will be interesting going forward to see how the company goes and we see the effect of that pretty much immediately because uh, Danny decides to go into a board meeting that just that's happening, which he's not invited to. 
which he should be being the majority shareholder. Um, and he he sits next to Joy. And there was a seat laid out for him to be fair. Um, and the, and uh, basically he sits next to Joy and makes everybody else move around in order <laughs> this to. This is just awkward. It was great because it just shows he has no idea what he's doing. This is you know, and I know you know people have agreed disagreed with us with our fish out of the water. Th- uh, references all the time, but I mean, this shows he has no idea what he's doing. He's basically um, a twelve-year-old kid in a twenty-five-year-old body, and now a billion. All of a sudden, a billionaire. Yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> he yes, doesn't, doesn't know the decorum at all for this situation. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, he, he's been in a monastery. He's trained to be a warrior. Um, he, he doesn't understand corporate politics, corporate policy, corporate de- decorum, anything like that. Hmm. And yeah, so he's disrupt. you know, if you come to a meeting late, you usually try to s- sneak in and hmm. be as, uh, uh, not draw attention to yourself. Yep. <laughs> and he fails at that miserably. Yep. Absolutely miserably. So he makes like everybody else uh, at the table move around to accommodate him sitting next to Joy. Um, because that's the only person he knows on the wall. He doesn't never met any of these other people before, so he needs to like sit next to Joy so he knows somebody, I don't know. But um but it just shows you like that because he has this like fifty one percent shareholding, like he's got the power to just do what he wants. So all the people are just like, Okay, well we'll move around for you, boss, you know. Um, and Ward is basically given a presentation here about a pricing strategy for a new drug. Um, it's being bought for $5 and sold for $50 a pill. That's their kind of pricing idea. And that the money that they make from that will go into funding further research for new emerging uh, drug technologies and whatnot. And it will also give them a nice boost to their profit margins for, that, for the chemical division. Um, however, Danny says that he wants to sell it at cost. And yeah. they can't. The board is kind of surprised at this, and they're like, "Well, we we're not. We don't want to do that because, like, this is the way that we do business. You know, we make a profit and we reinvest it in in new technologies and and research and whatnot. And, and you, you know, gotta, it's a business; it has to make money. Yeah, and you got to make the money back. You inv- and obviously, they probably invested billions or millions mm. in research and development. Yep for for this for this drug and. Uh, so, like, the, if even though they're, it's costing them $5 to produce, it's probably double that at least uh, if you consider all the time they went into the, the research and, yeah. and whatnot. And, but, but, yeah, so... Ten uh, times but, is still kind of greedy, though. Well, yeah. Yes and no. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah he, he, says, well, he says, well, he says, well, this, the fact that this is normal business, that needs to change. No one should make a profit from other people's misery because this drug is going to save around about, they reckon around about 50,000 lives a year, which is which is a good number of people. Like, uh, And Danny basically puts his foot down and says, nope, we're making this go to market at cost. Uh, and the board can't really do anything against him because like, he has, he can overrule them. Yeah, <laughs> and So... What Wallace is gonna give them like the the 
the sort of play of how this is going down and he's he's kind of like well so on your first day you want to like bring your foot down on this and you make us go to market at cost as the the majority owner of the company and Danny's like yep go to market at cost I'm like okay if you say so that's what we'll do More done <laughs> But yeah, he he he's basically kind of showboating a little bit bit to the board there. That like, well, this is not this is not my fault. This is Danny's call, and that's what we have to do if he wants to do it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? Like, I'm sure that there are real world discussions that go on like this all the time. Oh yeah. Um, about because it was not like a, some big pharmaceutical guy. Was trying to re- like really overcharge people in in America a while back yeah, for some so patent he had. Yeah, I want to say it was an AIDS drug. I'm not sure, but it yeah, was something some bill that or some pill that cost I don't know a couple of bucks each, and he yep. like he raised uh, it to a thousand dollars a pill or something like that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, which uh, I mean that's like absolutely ridiculous. That is, but I mean offensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. But if they're selling it for like a little bit of a profit, and one one of the board members does like point out that nobody that needs this drug would at would uh, would miss out because the like fifty bucks is not a lot for for the type of drug this is, and uh, it would also be the majority of the sales would be to like health organizations, and uh, any like purchases for third world countries would all be subsidized by like the World Health Organization and whatnot. So like nobody's going to miss out. Like it's not like somebody would die from not being able to afford this. Uh, but Danny's like, no, nobody should make a profit from other people's misery. And boom, you're selling this at cost. I'm like okay. But yeah, so the board is not happy at this at all. Uh, we then see uh, Colleen doing a bit of training. Um, and really training hard. <laughs> uh, she's really going to town on like a training dummy, and she eventually does break one of its arms off. And she—I don't know if you noticed this, but she also broke her own rule of no phones in the dojo. Okay, I didn't—I didn't pick up on that, but she's yeah. It's her house. I mean, it's her. Not only is it her dojo or her office, she also lives there. So. But, I mean, if you've put down that rule, like one rule for one, one rule for all, you know. But yeah, she's, she has no no phones in the dojo, and she is number one, like listening to music on her phone plugged into a, a like a speaker. And then when she breaks the thing and stops training, she then watches her fight again. So that's her fight that was uploaded to like YouTube by uh, Daryl. Or well, they don't say it's YouTube, but like you would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then see Harold calling Ward, and he tells him to handle the reporter that was asking questions uh, at Danny's press conference, and then berates him for like Danny's thing with the drug pricing earlier on, and uh, basically he's said that uh, he's got joy essentially keeping Danny busy for the moment, so that he stays away from all the corporate decisions, <laughs> which is probably a shrewd move from a business point of view. Yes. Um, and uh, Ward basically gets his assistant to call the reporter and he'll answer all of the reporter's questions tonight in his office uh, Danny and Joy meanwhile uh, discuss his swinging his 50 
51% shareholder deck around. <laughs> Which is an amusing piece of imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this scene is important because she 100% confirms in the scene that she gave the bowl mm-hmm. to Hogarth. Which we were kind of in questioning last week because we didn't we didn't remember this from the first watching that she'd actually said this, but she one hundred percent gave the ball to Hogarth, confirmed. Um, she she does say that she uh, basically didn't like the person that she'd become, so she had to do the do the right thing essentially. So she gave the ball to Hogarth. Uh, we then see Colleen going to the Fight Club again. As you do. Breaking more of her own rules. And she tells the promoter there to add another fighter. Um, and then double her paycheck. Uh, it's tap out or knock out again. And, and this is quite a cool fight scene. Where it's like the, the cage fight between Colleen and these two like big dudes. One, one of them looks like he could be like a UFC fighter or something like that. But I'm not, I'm not totally sure. There's so many of them nowadays it's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about <laughs> UFC. I am no. not into the fight scene whatsoever. So, no, but but like, what did you think of this fight scene? I I like this one. Um, mm. You know, I know a lot of people. The fight scenes in Iron Fist aren't on aren't the caliber of Daredevil, you know, and that's season wide. Yeah. All right. Um, but. The, uh, they're decent and I mean they're brutal to an extent I think they're yeah. uh, more um, visceral than those yep. in Daredevil I mean there are she snaps limbs mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, I mean there are times where you know you're watching and you go ooh you just kind of cringe real quick yeah, absolutely. So she's doing like flips around the cage and uh, like really interesting punches. And I think that's where this episode title yeah, comes from. Uh, what was it? The, uh, the eight diagram dragon palm. Because she certainly like punches one of the guys like in the chest with like her palm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, where that comes from. Um, and eventually she does manage to knock one of the guys out and he like lands on top of her. She's kind of stuck because he's so heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was funny, like that she's managed to like beat this guy up and knock him out, but then like he's he, she can't get out from under him. He's pinned her basically. Like yep. he he'll win the fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the the other guy like pulls her out and they continue to fight on eventually. And she eventually does break the other guy's arm before like absolutely pummeling him in the face and making him bleed. And you would assume pass out eventually. Yep, tap out or knock out. But, yeah, but she uh, she is really she seems to really enjoy this type of fighting. Like where she's just like cutting loose. Yes. Well, I mean that's why she went back. It's not for the money, although she makes sure mm. she gets paid. Um, mm. she's doing it because she, the thrill of the fight. Yep. The challenge. Absolutely. The you know. Uh, the game itself and she can't do mm-hmm. that you know obviously the dojo is not uh going to provide her with that level uh, of uh, a test of her abilities 
Mm. Yep. Uh, so we then see Danny telling Joy of his time in the monastery where he was sleeping on a dirty mattress and training every day and climbing hills with giant milk jugs and all this. Um, and Joy's like, well, this sounds horrible. It sounds like abuse. <laughs> and and from like what we've seen, like him being beaten with sticks and all that, it's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Pretty much he was abused by monks for like however many years. There, you know, well, and then he, well, he decided to train to be the Iron Fist. Mm. Yep. He, he, basically, he he says that he was referred to as like an outsider, essentially, and he was told of this position. He doesn't mention it to her what it is, but he was told of this position, uh, and that he would never be able to attain that position because he was like an outsider, and because he found out about this and people said that about him, that made him like incredibly determined to uh, prove all those people wrong and become uh, that position. So like that's obviously the Iron Fist he's referring to there. Uh, we do see that he can make a vodka tonic. He knows how to do that because it's just a vodka and tonic. <laughs> yeah. And she tells him to be light on the tonic, which I thought was funny. Like, what, are you trying to get drunk here? Like, Because, I mean, it was kind of like a date, this, wasn't it? It was... Yeah, it's like... it. It's... So are we keeping this in the friend zone, or we go, or or are we gonna knock boots? Yeah, and like her saying like, "Oh, be light on the tonic," is like, okay, well, she's trying to like push this a wee bit, yeah. you know. Which I was like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens here, but uh, we don't get we don't get to see any further of that because there is a knock at the door, which uh, Joy goes and answers, and then we hear a scream, <laughs> and uh, Danny runs to see what's happened, and. Uh, when he gets to the door, he finds a bunch of axe-wounding Yakuza types kidnapping Joy. What? <laughs> yeah, you didn't see... I, I didn't see this coming. Well, you know, I don't think anybody did. No, it just, like, came absolutely out of nowhere. Like, because there wasn't any, like, precursor to this at all, and there was no, like, threat to Joy or Danny, really, b- before this. So just knock at the door and then scream, and then these axe-wounding guys just appeared. Uh, so we then we get this quite cool fight scene. It's a corridor fight scene, Chip, as well as an elevator fight scene. <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I was I watched this. In fact, I think I rewound and watched it again just to, mm. you know, because is this the quote unquote signature fight of the series? Maybe. Um, and I, I, just, I think I think there is another one that's better later on. But this this was pretty cool. This is this was decent. But it wasn't great. Yeah, it was, re- I mean, relatively kind of short-lived as well. And it, Danny really dealt with these guys mm-hmm. pretty easily. Like, yeah. they were no real threat to him. He just, like, deflected their punches, redirected their energy, and, like, knocked them all down, hurt a couple of their arms. Um, he, worth noting in this that uh, he only summoned the Iron Fist at one point during the fight where, like, a guy... Like tried to hit his hand with a uh, with a with an axe, and just like he summoned Iron Fist, and the axe just shattered when it hit it. Yeah. So basically, he's he, if he is summoned the Iron Fist, his skin at that point is unbreakable. Right. Much like Luke Cage. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you beat me to the punch, Andy. Yep. And uh, Joy even gets a punch in in the elevator and amongst us as well. Yeah. She's, <laughs> 
kind of sneaks a punch and she's like, ow, but oh, that felt good. <laughs> um, one of the guys does say in, I, I don't know if it was Mandarin or, or Japanese or Chinese or whatnot, um, but the one of the guys does say, uh, oh, let's go back to the Golden Sands. Yes. Uh, we then see, uh, and we'll look, basically Joy's like, oh, we need to go to the police about this. But Danny's like, no, no, we're going to follow these guys and see where they've gone. Like, okay. Uh, we then see Ward in his office uh, confessing all to this reporter over some scotches. And and it's kind of like he's trying to bed this woman. Like, oh, totally. Totally. Which is, he thought this was a booty call. Yeah, which is kind of weird. But I mean, I mean they, maybe they had like some sort of pre existing relationship or like they'd done this sort of thing before. No. Because he, he was, well, I don't know, because he seemed like overly familiar with her at, at first anyway. Um, he's certainly telling her too much, though. Like, he's been way too open with her. Well, he's trying to... He thinks he's showing her how how Danny Rand is uh, a, an utter moron. And is going yeah, to ruin and a really, the company. Yeah, and, and a bad businessman and all this. Yeah. And not realizing what he's saying is uh, having the entirely opposite effect. Yeah, so basically he tells the reporter about uh, about Danny forcing them to sell the drug at cost from the shareholder meeting earlier on, um, which would lead to a loss of hundreds of millions of dollars of the company. And he's like, "Oh, but yeah, that's one thing." And now let's have more. Let's have more uh, bourbon. But the reporter's like, "No, no, no! Like I'm working. I've got my story. See you later." <laughs> and uh, basically, she calls her kind of editor and says, "Oh, I've got the I've got the front page for tomorrow." Uh, you know, back at the dojo, uh, Danny and Joy come to visit Colleen and they, they ask her about the Golden Sands and they mention, like, about these Axwooden guys and basically these they find out that these guys are triads. And yeah. she points Danny in the, in the direction of, I think it's the Yang clan or the Yang clan. Um, Hai Yang, something uh, like that. Something like that, yeah. And uh, they have a restaurant called the Golden Sands and Danny heads there and asks Colleen to look, kind of keep an eye on Joy whilst he goes and deals with this issue <laughs> of axe guys coming after them. <laughs> uh, so he goes he goes to this restaurant, the Golden Sands, and uh, the, the, the axe guys that Danny beat up earlier on are there and their boss is there as well. And he their boss is kind of like, what this one guy beat you beat you all up like what are you doing <laughs> um, but basically they they mentioned that they wanted what's with joy about her stealing the peel deer out from under them essentially um, and Danny tells them that well they were forced to do it you know, the company like Rand was forced to do it by the hand um, and the, the, the second that he mentions the hand they're like okay okay I'm sorry, like, please apologize to Joy. We didn't realize. And they basically scuttle off in fear. Yes. You're like, okay. And and Danny's like, try, Danny tries to kind of ask them, like, about the hand and, like, that he wants to get rid of the hand in his company and stuff like that. But they're just, they're like, gone. They just vanish. <laughs> and we then see uh, Harold doing a bit of training in his uh, penthouse. Um, three hand guys come in to see him along with Madame Gao. And who we still haven't seen apart from in a silhouette, but we obviously know it's Madame Gao by her voice and whatnot. Um, it's, I like, it's interesting. To, I, I, I like yeah. the way they kind of shroud her. I mean, we all know who it mm. is. You know, 
or those of us that have watched all the Netflix Marvel series mm-hmm. know who it yep. is. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fact that they're play- they're kind of playing with it is uh, fun. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But do you think there's like a more of a reason behind it in terms of the shooting? Like, do you think that she was actually on set there when they filmed these? <laughs> Good. I hadn't because thought it, of that, but that that's a that would be an interesting theory. Yeah, because I mean, it could be like a, it could be like a scheduling issue or or whatever they weren't able to get access to or when they needed to shoot these. So they were like, "Well, let's do like a stylistic thing with it and have her as the shadowy figure in the background, and we can just have have uh, the actress do the do the voice lines S- and dub them in later on." Go see some money, yeah. Yep. The show was done on a budget. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, but the, I think it works. It certainly works for these scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it adds some atmosphere. Whether or not uh, they were trying to save a few bucks or she she was busy doing some other uh, movie uh, or had some other thing mm. is, in, is an interesting theory. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yes, I did like the I, – I, I did like uh, how they added atmosphere. Mm. Um, so the, these guys uh, they basically tell Harold that he's going for a ride and they put a bag over his head <laughs> well, he looks funny with a bag over his head I thought they were going to beat him up and just like yeah but, but they didn't take him for a ride um, we then see Colleen training Joy a little bit um, and we see that she's repaired the dummy with uh, duct tape of course duct tape fixes all yep I think she Even like a flex seal well, yeah, or like wood, wood glue or something yeah. like that, maybe, or maybe a, a screw. You know, oh, the screw maybe wouldn't work in in that particular yeah. sense because you, if you hit your hand on a screw, it's gonna hurt you. Yeah, and but uh, I mean, duct tape isn't gonna take that many punches from uh, the daughter of the dragon either. No, it's gonna that's gonna maybe last one session. <laughs> But yeah, she's repaired with duct tape, which is okay enough for for Joy anyway. But uh, ultimately, she's going to need to buy a new dummy. <laughs> I'm sure that those things are modular, and you just pop a new one in. Oh, possibly, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never never used one. Um, Danny returns at this point and uh, fixes Colin's broken finger, mm-hmm. and he says that oh, moment. yeah, and it's like it's a kind of. A charged, a charged moment, like it's like the rain in Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's that going on for it too. I just meant uh, popping uh, the finger back in. It was like yuck. Um, but yes, yes. There's her making the doe eyes at him and mm. him being a little uncomfortable. Mm, yep. He doesn't really know how to handle this, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he. And he does mention that he knows that Colleen's fighting for cash, um, and there's the fight clubs and whatnot, and because he did he did the same on his way back from Kunlun, so he knows the kind of like telltale signs, and he off he offers to give her the money that she needs to like run dojo and whatnot, because he's a billionaire now, like he's got unlimited money essentially, um, but she ref- again refuses this. She uh, is sticking to her like principles and whatnot, which is quite admirable. Although she's sticking to her principles in that regard, but then like going and going against the way of the Bushido 
in fighting in these fight clubs to make the money that she needs. So uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword there for her. Um, and we do see that Joy and Danny agree not to tell Ward about this. However, Joy does say that she wants to, like, she wants to know about this, even if she doesn't want to tell Ward. She wants to know, like, what the deal was with these Yakuza guys and what is, uh, what happened, basically. Because Danny just comes back in and he's like, yeah, it's dealt with, you won't need to worry about that again. Okay. And you're like, right, okay. Uh, we then see Harold again and we, we see uh, Madame Gow behind him again, silhouetted. Not there. <laughs> Um, and basically, he's uh, being given his reward for being a good servant, a good and faithful servant. Uh, and for when he secu- because he secured the peer deal and whatnot. And basically, he's been being given a glimpse at Joy in her apartment in in real life. Mm-hmm. Like so, not through a, not through like a video footage or whatnot. They've basically like hired the apartment across from her, or maybe they already own it. I don't know. But um, he gets a, a look at her, and he. He basically says that he's not seen her in person since she was a child, which is quite sad. But um, he is, however, mad that she's been hit by somebody, and he asks, like, "Oh, who who hit her?" Um, and Gao tells him that, "Well, it was it was these like thugs, basically, but they've uh, they've been dealt with by her her bodyguard." And he's like, "Okay." He obviously realizes that must have been Danny. Um, however, he does ask for one more favour as a good and faithful servant. <laughs> and we see the we see the hand guys roll out and uh, go to the Golden Sands restaurant with uh, Harold in disguise uh, as one of the hand members. Well, we um, didn't know it was Harold in disguise. You could see from his... I could tell from his eyes that it was him. Uh, see, I didn't, I didn't pick up uh, that it was Harold until he took the mask off afterwards. Okay. Well, basically, the hand guys go in like full ninja on full on ninja gear. And they go into the Golden Sand restaurant and they they ask the uh, the Yakuza guys who killed uh, who uh, sorry who <laughs> nobody killed Joy who hit Joy Meacham and one of the guys like fair play to him steps up and goes yeah it was me I did it and the one of the hand guys which turns out to be Harold uh, disguised as a hand ninja pulls out a sword. And like, chops him in the head with it. <laughs> yeah, basically tries to slice through his skull. Yeah, with one chop. With one chop, yeah. And obviously, didn't quite slice through the skull, but certainly killed the guy. Mm-hmm. And looked pretty badass while doing it. And then when he takes the sword out, he does this like flick with the sword, which is so cool. And just like the blood goes like in a line across the floor. Yep. Like just the imagery of that was just really, really cool for me. Um, and yeah, so he goes, uh, they then leave. They don't touch any of the other guys and none of them like fight back because they, they're quite clearly like in fear of the hand. They're like, okay, well, do you want to kill that guy? Fair enough. Like, you're not going to kill me. That's a big plus for me. You're not going to kill all of us. Cool. That's fine. Kill that one guy. We, we'll do with the body. See you later. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for your business. Thank you for leaving. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we, we see when they go back into the, the car that it's, uh, it was Harold that, that killed that killed this guy, um, and then he then goes back to his apartment. Now, it's a bit of an overreaction. Well, I you know you're the one with a daughter. Um, if some mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. took a, sh- a punch punched your daughter, 
Very true. I don't. I don't know that I would kill them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that accomplishes anything. But, like, yeah, I'm not gonna be pleased with that person. Put it that way. Um. Well, I think a. He's not right in the head. Mm-hmm. I mean. He's come back from the dead. He was dead three days. I'm, you know, uh, he's in this weird situation where he's basically alive, but not. I mean, he's alive mm-hmm. somehow, uh, mm-hmm. but he's has no life. Mm, yep. You know, he's, he's like he's, he's kind of like a zombie. He's like, yeah, like a living living dead person. Yeah, I mean, he's stuck in an apartment, uh, coordinating. Rand industry stuff for the hand, mm-hmm. but uh, that you know, but he doesn't he doesn't get to leave the apartment. He doesn't have any human interaction except for Ward and his assistant. Um, so I think you know he might be a little touched in the head. Now, my what I was going to suggest is knowing what comes up before. This taste of blood does it do something to him that he wants more blood? Oh, okay, yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, possibly. I, it just kind of came to me as uh, we're talking here. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're for we're not spoiling; we're foreshadowing. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> if, if you haven't, uh, and it's got to be episode six or seven. But um, so I'm just. I'm just kind of wondering, uh, up until now, yes, he's been uh, the guppy in the fish tank doing mm. whatever the hand is tell, tells him to do and kind of running Rand Industries from from the shadows. Mm. Yep. Because obviously Ward is a moron and really can't run the company. <laughs> yeah, some of his decisions have not been the best. So, um, yeah, I, I just kind of... Hmm. Now that he's killed, is this something that uh, he got a taste for? Hmm. Yeah, that, that's that is a fair point. Um, judging by the way he kills the guy, though, as well, I would say that he's looks like he's killed before. Like he's trained in the weapons, like because he can well, he can handle that sword. Didn't we see him earlier punching a? Yeah, when when the hand comes to get him. He's, oh, he's trainer. Yeah, he, he he's, he's trainer very hard. Bag. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, he he. I think he's killed before. It's hard to to say that definitively at this point. But like the way he just killed the guy nonchalantly, mm-hmm. like he, he's killed someone before. Because he just like as soon as it's done, he just like brushes it off and goes back to what he was doing. Well, once again, it was his daughter that got beaten up. True, true, but I mean, if you just like if you killed somebody out of rage or whatnot, it's it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you, even if it's like for the the best of reasons, you know. But um, but it's going to affect this guy, and he's going to like be unhinged and whatnot because of it, and maybe regretful, maybe remorseful. But he's not. He's just like right, okay, I'm done. Let's go home. Okay, fair enough. Um, so the next morning we see the newspaper headline. Which is uh, Daniel Rand, corporate hero. <laughs> Which is uh, another bit of foreshadowing for obviously Danny like becoming the hero and in the Iron Fist and whatnot. Mm. 
but this is because uh, what Ward told the reporter about about Danny wanting to sell the uh, the drug at cost. Now, this is a brilliant piece of like uh, positive PR for the company, though, because this this garners all kinds of goodwill from like public perception. Yeah, but it has it's the exact opposite effect that uh, Ward wanted. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, he wanted to basically like bury this and uh, have, and and have Danny kind of outed as being like a terrible businessman. Yeah, and have like, yeah, naive. and essentially, yeah, and and have him like uh, his authority undermined, mm-hmm. uh, if if probably that from uh from a business perspective point of view. But it's kind of done the opposite of that because like the with the public perception being good, the board will actually probably like that um, and be like well okay we've we've done this thing and it's cost us a bit of money but look at the goodwill we've garnered from that from from the public and that in the long run that's actually going to be more beneficial to us than having this small short like short win of money yeah yeah once i mean i understand what danny did and it's right from a sort of a humanitarian point of view but you know rand isn't a nefarious company i mean they're you know they are quote unquote the well, good guys well except see for that, the fact but... that the hand is uh infiltrated yeah. them. but um but i mean if with with that money a okay yes they're going to make a profit they're going to make their shareholders rich um i acknowledge all that but they're also going to use some of that money Yep. To research and develop new new and other uh, drugs. Because that's, yep. you know, I mean, they're going to reinvest a lot of that money into new products. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, they haven't been really absor- uh, like absorb- uh, exorbitant with the uh, the price of it. And well, it, ten, like, time, the, ten like, times cost is a little pricey, but... Well, well but, I mean, the, the, like they said, the, like, this is still affordable to anybody and like nobody is gonna nobody's gonna like die because they can't afford the drug like any, anybody that is on like the poverty line or whatnot would have it provided to them by like whatever government organization would be buying the drug which would be where the majority of their business would come from for this but danny's sticking to his principles on it so mm. and that seems to play play quite well and certainly the article is very favorable towards mm. uh towards him and Ward is not pleased that this when he reads it, he's like, "Oh fuck, uh, I've I've I done fucked up <laughs> again. I made a huge tiny mistake." <laughs> Dad's gonna be pissed. Yep. <laughs> uh, we then see Danny focusing his chi at home, and there's a knock at his door, and he's like, "Oh, here we go again." Because the last time there was a knock at his door, there was a bunch of axe-wielding maniacs. Um, and when he go- when he goes to the door, he has a look through, and there's nothing, nobody there. And he opens the door, and there's this mystery package, which is in a sort of like, I don't know, it's like a red potpourri container sort of looking thing. Yeah, some type of basket. Yeah, like a metal basket type thing. Uh, and he opens it up, and and there's a little note in it, kind of folded like origami style, and it says, this is the answer for which you seek. And it's signed uh, Yan Hai Quing, who I believe is the leader of the... Uh, the guys from the Golden Sands restaurant, the Yakuza people. And this is obviously him 
like agreeing that okay well we don't like the hand either but we're too scared to do anything about it publicly so if you want to try and like take them on like here's a little bread he's a here's a little breadcrumb for you to follow and and if, if you if you die like while dealing with them well no loss to them and if you manage to succeed well that's great so yeah, this this mystery package has a little packet of the uh, the Steel Serpent branded heroin that we've previously seen in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if we saw any in Luke Cage or Jessica Jones, but uh, but we 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 do see the the logo and it's the the Steel Serpent logo on it, and it's clearly the same the same heroin. And like when when Danny turns around, we get a great shot of him because he's like he's topless. And we finally see his bare chest and his epic dragon tattoo. Mm-hmm. Very true to the, the tattoo from the comics, but basically carbon copy. Yep. Which was cool because we weren't we weren't sure about it because we hadn't seen him like with with his top off yet at all, and we we didn't know if he had it or not. But he does. It's there. And that's and where it ends. That's the episode. Yeah. So overall, what'd you think? Hey, I really liked this episode actually. Like uh, further on, all all the storylines. Um, there's a couple of really good fights in it as well. Great pacing for the episode. Um, kind of, it was kind of like a movie episode. This one, I don't, I don't know if you felt that, but for, for me, it felt like a kind of condensed movie. No, no fluff really. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say. You know, one of the things we've heard about, uh, you know, the the negative reviews, which we disagree mm. with, um, mm. is that it was too slow-paced and boring and whatnot, which one or two episodes weren't that great so far. Mm. I mean, maybe one was probably the worst. Um, but... Uh, this one, yeah, okay, you're moving the, you're moving, uh, the plot lines forward. You're wrapping up the, the litigation part of the piece fairly quickly. Yep. Um, yeah, those, absolutely. You know, uh, I want to call him Grant Ward. Uh, <laughs> Daddy Meacham just says, look, cu- cut the crap, give, uh, give, uh, give him everything he's entitled to, end of story. And that wraps it up. It's a little... It's a little convenient, but at the same time, yes, it wraps it up and it does it in a somewhat logical way. Although, I mean, the only problem is he he doesn't give Ward a a plausible excuse as to why, other than he changed his mind, which... Oh, for for the public, yeah, yeah. And, And, well, more specifically for Joy... I think because the public was is just like kind of unknown to all this, uh, and probably the board as well. Uh, but yeah, for certainly for Joy, who's been with him and like seen him fight against like mm-hmm. Danny coming back, for him to then just turn around and go, "No, nah, okay, it's fine. Let's just give him what he wants." It was a bit like, and, and Joy even like questioned someone. It was just like, "What? Like you've changed your mind on it? Like what the hell?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just trying to be more like Dad." And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I think, you know, she has blindly followed him for years. Mm. And, you know, um, in fact, it's 
in the next episode uh, where, you know, she sa- says, you know, uh, says to the board, uh, Ward has uh, led us uh, through everything so far. And we've all made, been, uh, you know, we've all benefited from his uh, decisions in the past. I'm sticking mm. with him. So, yeah, she, I mean, I mean, he, he does. He, so she does say that to Danny in this episode as well. Like at one point when they're talking, yeah, she's like talking about Ward and saying that he has like led the company to success after success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does, he, she does mention that in in this one as well. Okay, so. Uh, and we know it's not really him. It's Daddy Meacham that is uh, yeah. pulling all, the, doing all the puppet mastery here. Yep. But, um, you know, uh, it, you know, it's still, it, it, that everyone just accepts it for that, uh, is a little convenient, but okay. And, you know, you only have 13 episodes. We need to move, we need to move on to the more interesting storylines Let's do it. Um, I love the Colleen Wing fight scene. I thought there were, you know, there were yep. two great fight scenes um, in this one, or decent fight scenes. Hers, yeah, and his hallway one with the hatchets, which was uh, what the show needed. It needs it. It needs to ramp up. I mean, it's Iron Fist. The guy should be uh, chop sake every uh, episode, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um. So, I, I thought it brought that in. You know, it gave it more of that. Um, and then I kind of, you know, and you know, the, there are certain things that just don't develop or just kind of uh, are stillborn in this show. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could have had a really interesting uh, triangle between Colleen, Joy, and Danny. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that like certainly at this point in the show, that seemed to be what where they were going for. Yeah, and you know, uh, we won't spoil where that goes, but uh, mm. you know, it's so you have that kind of going for it, and you, you know that that's always good for a show. Yeah. Have some, uh, you know, who's he gonna bed? A, B, mm-hmm. or, you know, A, B, <laughs> or all of the above. <laughs> you know. Are we are we going to get the Iron Fist threesome, um, <laughs> or foursome? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you consider what happens later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you know, you, you have that going for it. You bring in Madame Gao. You're kind of starting to flesh out the big bad here. It's not the Meachams. Or is it? Mm, you know, yep. I, or is it? Yeah. You, you know, you're you're kind of, and I there's a few things I want to say, but I don't want to say it for those that haven't seen the rest of the season yet, because mm. um, it's interesting what happens, but at the same time, it's also one of the the series' biggest flaws, mm. and I I I don't want to get into it. Uh, right now because it would spoil things coming up. Yeah. But, you know, at this point, um, we know it, we know the hand is involved. They, they've shown themselves, uh, 
more so than they have in the past. Up till now, they were, you know, other than really that one scene with Daddy Meacham, uh, where Madame Gao first appeared after he went AWOL, we really haven't uh, had much, uh, we really haven't seen the hand up until now. So now we kind of have a, we have a big bad. Hmm. We know that Danny is, you know, the the hand killer or whatever they call him, the fist to the uh, to the hand or whatever. Um, sworn enemy of the hand. Sworn enemy of the hand. There we go. Um, <laughs> but we, it, you know, so but this is where they they basically make their pr- presence felt, and we now know who the bad guy is, or do mm-hmm. we? Yep. Um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, overall it was a decent episode. I think, yes, it's once again, we are dealing with, you know, they have 13 episodes to fill and how do, and, uh, they need to, I think they did a decent job of fleshing out who Danny is. Maybe it went an episode too long. I don't know in that instance, but uh, it also comes to an abrupt end. And it in that, uh, so I'm a little uh, miffed at that. But other than that, yeah, no, it it was a decent episode, and it it wrapped things up, and it start and it opened uh, new problems that we will be dealing with going forward. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, like uh, like like I said, I, th- I thought this episode was really strong. Um, very like a movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think this is kind of the the high bar for the the episodes. Um, for Iron Fist, um, it gives you every everything that you would kind of expect from an Iron Fist show. Bit of fighting, bit of kind of corporate billionaire stuff going on as well and a bit of mystery and intrigue and mystical sort of things like that's the kind of three things that you're looking for from an iron fist show mm-hmm. uh, and this this episode totally delivered on all of those so i really do like the colleen wing story as well she's a much better character than i ever thought she would be um certainly from like seeing her in the comics she's just a kind of supporting player who's like a decent fighter but they've actually gone and like put a real effort into developing her character in, in the show and it's she's a strong character for for that and the I, I forget the actress's name that plays her Jessica Henwick something like that yeah. I think I think that's it um she's a great actress as well and she can clearly fight I think she's probably the best character in the show yeah I th- I mean yep. uh you know you kind of want to you could see some type of Misty Knight, uh, Colleen Wing, Daughters of the Dragon miniseries or series, whatever you want to call it. Well, they are, they are, it's confirmed that they are doing that, remember, in Iron Fist Season 2? Yeah, but, you know, he'll be So there. that's going to happen. Well, he'll be there as well, but but we, we, that's why we're really tuning in to yeah. see Misty Knight and, and Colleen Wing. We don't care about Danny. Danny's just, he's, he's the facilitator to, to the cool story. <laughs> So I think um, we will, you know, and I, yeah, she she just does a great job. Yeah, definitely. And she's got she's just got great facial expressions, I think, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, r- real like snarky, like real snarky, like uh, facial expressions, and 
it's a lot of actresses and actors as well like uh, don't have that like the the facial reactions to stuff they're just kind of like they've got that kind of you, you can tell it's like a fake face you know like they're like doing a fake reaction to something but the way she reacts is like really natural like it's it's the what the fuck face like when when she sees something it's like like I don't quite know how to well, describe it, but if you see the show, you'll know exactly what I mean. And and now you're getting into the, you know she's gone from him being an annoyance mm. to you can kind of see uh, that you know you see her her kind of uh, opinion of him change. Yep. And all of a sudden, sparks are flying between the two of them without them even saying mm. or doing anything. Yep, absolutely, and, and to be and to be fair, like Dan, Danny's not like I mean the, the guy that pl- plays Danny, Finn Jones, um, his first expressions are like not they're not that like not the same as hers anyway. You can't you can't tell that immediately from his like expressions, but like hers give it away completely. Mm. So, all right, Andy, I guess we're wrapping this up. Yep. All right. We've already done tweets, so we're all set there. Uh, we plan to be back next week with another, at least another episode. We'll discuss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I dozed off during five. I actually had to go back and rewind about twenty minutes. <laughs> go, oh shit! We're doing both episodes tonight. Uh, <laughs> okay, so five is going to be one of the ones that I watched three or four times before we do the episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're gonna either do we're, we'll do we'll definitely be doing five, maybe six, as we try and push through. I think the goal is to finish this uh, to finish the uh, Iron Fist by the end of August. Yeah, that's the the kind of loose goal. So. <laughs> <laughs> the lofty goal, yeah, that's the lofty goal we've set. So, um, but uh, so keep the tweets coming. Go, go. You can always go leave comments over on Facebook as well. We do check that page and we do respond there. Uh, I want to thank James Warren, Tim Hernandez for se- sending us stories because we do appreciate it. And I think we're, I think we're going to do this more with, especially with those two guys. Mm, yeah, because you know they they bring in they bring in the stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely deluge of stories, which some some we've seen, but there's a lot of them that we don't see until like the those guys send them to us. So, uh, yeah, keep up the good work. Yeah, I'd I'd love to get those guys like on the show sometime. We can work that. Yeah, we don't know where they live. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I mean, are they U.S. or are they uh, Europe uh, based? Because you know, Andy's Andy's up at two in the morning doing this show most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, th- that's the toughest thing about shieldcast these days is the scheduling because mm. andy's in scotland i'm in uh connecticut united states and uh it's hard to find a time that we're both awake <laughs> yeah <laughs> when chip's not falling asleep for a movie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> did <laughs> did I talk about I talked about Valerian last week, right? Uh, no, you, I did see you talking about it on the B team though. All right, non Marvel based. I, I'm doing this on all my shows. The the movie bombed apparently in the theaters. Mm. If you can see it, go see it. 
It's spectacular. Um, the story is decent. It's kind. Of, it's an. It's based on a 1967 uh, French comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sci-fi, and it's kind of. I would say Valerian is kind of James Bond meets Indiana Jones meets Han Solo, and uh, okay, but. Uh, the visuals are spectacular. I think it's only being shown in 3D, which it really needs to be seen in 3D. Uh, because I, th- this, you know, I've seen them compare it to Avatar. It's not an unfair mm. comparison. It's might not be as spectacular as Avatar, or maybe Avatar just, you know, was our first uh, real 3D movie that blew mm, everybody yeah. away. But this one probably should be seen in 3d and i think it's a lot of fun uh the guy who plays valerian is kind of an oaf and not the greatest actor um he's kind of a poor man's keanu reeves mm-hmm. um but uh i thought and it Pro- they probably could have edited about 10 minutes, shortened it by 10 minutes and tightened up a few plot points. But I highly, highly recommend Valerian. Mm. And seeing it on okay. the big screen in 3D, and if you have a spare uh, afternoon and can go see it, there are far... I think it's better than Spider-Man. That's setting a low bar, but uh, I think <laughs> it's better than Spider-Man. Right, okay. So worth seeing if uh you get a chance to see it and this is just my own personal campaign to uh try and get a sequel for this movie (laughs) (laughs) nice so all right uh let's see andy when you're not involved in illegal street fighting where can people find you Oh, you can find me trying to fight with Ali every Tuesday on Fighter Level 1. Uh, we talk movies, TV shows, sometimes comic books, and always many video games. Um, we broadcast live on allgames.com, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific, and 9.30 Greenwich Mean Time. You can find all our episodes on Stitcher iTunes, as well as the allgames.com archive. And you can find me Tuesday nights on the B-Team Podcast with Eli, Fred, and Ryan, where we discuss video games, tech, and movies and TV, and check it out. It's 9 o'clock, allgames.com, Tuesday nights. Um, I guess we're done, Andy, so I uh, we can get out of here. Uh, so I don't care. Hmm. I don't care if uh, you got a chance at uh, getting both Colleen and Joy in the backseat. Whatever you do, don't touch Lola. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.